0: It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys three generations and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet, Michigan and c 925 the castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to three point at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at three The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners.
1: Nelson house funeral homes number one goal is to serve the families in our community they're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors the Nelson house staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability integrity and compassion the top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors being right there when you need them most with unique service to represent unique lives in mid-michigan ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234.
0: Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Siawassee and M21 in
1: Corona. Well, welcome to Three Point Podcast, Episode 154. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Shared and Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Our three include... The young fella, Jared Fattel, right here in the studio. Our middle guy is Matt Burns of ESPN on the phone from North Carolina, and I'm the grandpa, Ted Fattel. Thanks for the listen, and give us a follow on social media at 3 Pod in the free app Locker Room. Should be another fun pod as we're going to be checking in with Mike Sullivan, formerly of 97.1, the ticket and founder of Brand 25 Media and CEO of Metro Detroit Golfers. Also hopping on board will be Rocky Buscemi, the boys' basketball coach, of the chronic cavaliers let's get it rolling right away and jared why don't you to introduce our guest all right we, we now
2: welcome on mike sully sullivan who was formerly a producer at 97 won the ticket in detroit before he broke off and formed his own media company called metro detroit golfers uh which has kind of since taken off racking up over thirty thousand members and one heck of a golf podcast on top of that uh thanks for joining us mike
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Absolutely, good to be here.
2: So, can, I'm a member of Metro Detroit Golfers. I'm a huge fan of it. Can you kind of explain? But I was also a big fan of 971. The ticket when you were there on uh, Mike's show as well. Can you kind of explain what made you sort of take that big jump to start your own thing?
3: Yeah, no, that's. A, I mean, that's a great question. I, I get that one often. I mean, it's it's a situation where where I definitely had a great time at 971. You know, I think it was awesome. I, I had learned so much. I, I had a great experience. You know, but it really got to the point where, where you just, you, you're young, you know, you kind of want to do something more. You want to mm-hmm. really build and, and dive into something. I've always had a big desire to build a business, you know, and, and I think it, it really got to the point with Kyle Bogie and I, you know, where we were we had started something on the side with, with our digital marketing business and then MDG took off as well kind of at the same time and, and him and I really made the decision that, hey, it's time to really pursue this full time. Let's just dive in. Let's go. And, and I think, you know, the, the biggest you know, decision-making point for me Mm -hmm. was the fact that I I knew that I could look, you know, I knew that if all this failed, I could still look back and say that I tried. I I knew that Mm -hmm. I gave it my all, but one thing was I I knew that I couldn't look back if I had never tried to make the jump, and I Mm -hmm. I really just thought it was time while I was young to take a risk and to to kind of, you know, bet on myself and and do something that I was really passionate about and, and building the business. So, It's So far, so good. It's all worked out. It was a tough decision, but it also was an easy one, just knowing what I wanted to do, and and I get it, but it it was a a great job I was in, and a lot of people would kill to have that job, and and I didn't take that lightly, you know, but I think it was just a situation of really wanting to, you know, while you're young, go out and get more and and really just build something on your own and and dive into it full time and, and, uh, you know, be your own boss, so that's kind of the long story short, I guess.
1: Sully, this is Ted, um, and I'll get more into what you got going on right now in a second. But I want to go back to your days, especially when you worked with a guy from my generation, Mike Stony Stone. Um, mm. Did you treat him with respect, or did you treat him like garbage, like Jared treats me? <laughs>
3: uh, you talking about Stony? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Stony. No, he's a legend, of course. I always, I'm a big respect guy. You know, I always got to treat him with respect for sure. Uh, and that guy's done so much. He's always been so nice to me, you know, even back, back when I was nineteen and just an intern. So, uh, nothing but good things to say about him. He's a uh, uh, just a really, really good guy. Still talk to him often today.
2: That's awesome. I, although MDG has like thirty thousand members uh, across all different platforms, there's probably some of our listeners that aren't totally familiar with what it is. Can you kind of explain uh, what it is the MG MDG is, and maybe what you're trying to turn it into?
0: Yeah,
3: absolutely. I appreciate you asking that. Just the, just the um, you know kind of the quick 30,000 foot view on that is mm-hmm. that MDG is is kind of the result of just an opinion that that Michigan's a, a golf state and needed something like that. I think that you know when you look at the numbers Michigan is is third in the entire country in total golf courses that's crazy. so it's a huge golf state and and it, there never really was a, a social media space for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what Kyle and I tried to do is is really just create something that didn't previously exist, you know. We we thought that it was the underserved market and you know the main goal was to to really uh, create a space for Michigan golfers just and to literally take you know that that huge appetite for golf that exists in Michigan and digitize it you know yeah. create a social media space for it and I think that we started with a Facebook group you know that's really been the the main catalyst of it all uh, the mm-hmm. Facebook group and that's grown to over 25,000 alone right now and then between that, between the Twitter, the Instagram, the podcast, the, the text message list that we have, yeah, it's, it's just crossed well over thirty thousand, um, you know, recently. So it's been awesome, and, and it's, it's such a passion, and really cool to kind of create something mm-hmm. that you, you thought there was a need for. You know, I, I think that, that again, Michigan is such a huge golf state, and and to create something like that uh, and see the success so quickly has been awesome. Really has been.
4: So this is Matt. So, as Jared mentioned before we started recording, I, I currently live down in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm I'm from the same hometown as Jared and Ted, right in mid Michigan. And in college, I worked at a couple couple golf courses, so I definitely know the golf scene in Michigan. And and you're making a good point. You know, I think a lot of people don't really realize how big the golf scene is in Michigan. And to that point, when I talk to people who are from the Carolinas, born and raised in North or South Carolina, or even maybe Georgia and stuff like that, they and they're still in the area, and, and I tell them how many golf courses, how good the golfing is up in Michigan. They're like blown away because they all mm-hmm. they want to do is talk about Myrtle Beach golf courses and stuff like that. So, can you talk about like what's the challenge of you know trying to almost like convince people maybe from outside of the state that yeah you know in the summer, in the spring and summer, even in the fall. Come on up to Michigan because there are a lot of great horses. Can you talk about that?
3: Yeah, I mean that's a fantastic question. I think that you know one of our main goals with this is to really promote Michigan golf more. So I think that's that's fantastic. And and you know you're so right. It it is underrated a little bit nationally. I think part of that is because on TV, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't see it like you do some other PGA tournaments or destinations on TV. Of course, we now have the, the Rocket Classic here in Detroit, so people will see that. But you know, I've always wondered that. I, I've always kind of thought it was a hidden gem, a little underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get as much love. Northern Michigan does not get as much love for the courses as, you know, a, a Myrtle Beach or a Southern California or a South Florida even does. And, and you know, I think that that is kind of a shame. Where right? There's so much great golf in in this state. And one of the main differences, I think, with Michigan golf is that you can go up north and you can play golf courses for a heck of this. It's a heck of a lot better value. Mm-hmm. You can play courses up north for a hundred bucks, eighty-five bucks, hundred and fifteen bucks that range. Where you know, literally, if you took that course and plopped it in the state of Arizona, you'd be paying you know two hundred and fifty dollars for a round. So I think that the value is really good. Um, I do think that definitely it is a little underappreciated, but you know, at the same time, to, to I guess kind of play devil's advocate to that is. I've been on several golf trips to Boyne and one in particular stands out where where I was standing on the tee. at It was, I forget which hole at Arthur. I think it was number six at Arthur Hills mm. and um, ran into a group from behind us and not one of them was from Michigan. One guy was from uh, LA. The other guy was from Texas. Wow. The other guy was from, I think, like Nebraska or something. And, and my point is there was there was a group, of foursome of guys that had went up there solely because they did hear good things about Northern Michigan. So, you know, I, I agree that I don't think it gets as much love. Um, mm. I, I do think that it's still pretty well respected, though. Um, and that's one thing that we've tried to ask people, you know, whether it's been tour players we've talked to or otherwise, just just to kind of describe Michigan golf because, you know, that, that is a, a priority to promote it even more and, and hope that people get into
2: it, Absolutely. I agree 100% with what you're saying. It is 100% uh, a hidden gem, uh, Michigan itself. One course in particular that you are a huge fan of, and it's my favorite course in the entire state, and that's uh, Black Lake. I've had a family reunion there every year, and it's been my favorite course growing up my whole life. I'm trying to put together a golf trip, though, with a lot of my friends, and they're a little bit hesitant to go to Black Lake because, like you've mentioned on podcast before, it's a hidden gem. Not a lot of people play it. It's in the middle of Onaway, Michigan, nowhere. Yeah. Can you maybe give like a sales pitch on why they should come play it?
0: Oh man!
3: Thanks for asking. That. No, that, yeah, I appreciate you knowing that that tidbit and that opinion of mine. I think Black Lake is is probably the most underrated golf course in Michigan. So the, the coolest thing about it is when you go up there, you're right. It's in Onaway. It's in the absolute middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but when you get on the property, it, it feels like a country club. The patio is beautiful. The bar is awesome. That the driving range is across the street, and and it's a grass driving range. Um, the course itself is long. It's tough. Mm-hmm. um i personally love the the michigan and the local angle of it that the uaw runs it and, the, and it's their course they run it to this day and, and anything anything that, that the uaw run you know is going to be very well taken care of it's going to be every detail you know fine-tuned so you, you feel like it's a private course and it's very difficult too mm-hmm. you know the slope rating is i think if you play it from the tips i forget the stat that one of the starters told me one time and i'll have to ask their gm about this but it, it's 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 one of the, t- it's right behind Oakland Hill South as from a slope rating, like the toughest course in Michigan. So it's extremely tough, but it is just true Northern Michigan golf. It's in really, really good shape. And again, it is not an easy course, but um, plenty of elevation. It's just a, uh, it, it's a, a top notch place to play. And I'm getting excited. Just talking about yeah. it. It's um, definitely worth checking out. Does not get anywhere near as much love as, as certainly at Great walls or Boyne or Bay Harbor or Arcadia or anything like that. But but it is, I think, the definition of a hidden gem and, and a course that um, if you're going up north, if you're even going to Petoskey, a lot of people go to Petoskey. Mm-hmm. If you're going to Petoskey, take the 40-minute drive and just go play it and, and see for yourself. It's really, uh, really a good course.
1: Absolutely. Hey, i got another question for you, Sully, going back to your, your broadcasting. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a chance to interview Jack Nicholas. Uh,
3: Tom Watson. Not Jack. Oh. Yeah, we're hoping to interview Jack Um Actually, May second, we're going to the grand opening of American Dunes. It's another going to be another beautiful course um, out in Grand Haven. But we had a chance to interview Tom Watson, uh, not Jack Nicholas yet, but we're hoping to. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, how did it go with Watson? And uh, were you a little nerved up at all when you first uh, connected with him?
3: Yeah, I, I kind of was, to be honest. I usually, you know, I, I don't really get nervous when I when I talk to people. I've, I've met anyone from you know LeBron to uh, Miguel Cabrera to mm. you know any huge names, right? But with Tom, when Tom came on that screen and was talking to us, it was kind of like, holy, you know, holy crap! It's, it's Tom Watson. That's awesome. And, and that kind of bringing it full circle here with with what you were saying about Michigan golf. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to have him on because a lot of people do not know that Tom spent you know his childhood summers in northern Michigan and playing wow. in Belvedere and playing in Petoskey Bayview and playing those courses up there. So that was really awesome to, to interview Tom, who's one of the one of the best golfers ever. Um, he has won eight majors, and 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 to to really just talk to him about Michigan golf, that was the coolest part. Because again, he's known for so much more, and he's known for the British Opens and playing links golf and stuff like that. But when you get a chance to talk to a guy like that, and not just talk to him about Oakland Hills or talk to him about Warwick Hills or talk to him about you know the the, the Metro Detroit type courses, uh, but to talk to him just about Michigan golf as a whole was was really awesome. And he was such a just such a nice guy. We offered him to hey, you know, feel free to promote whatever you want. Is there a charity? Is there a product whatever? And he, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't even want to. He said, no, I just enjoy the conversation. So just a a true stand-up guy. Uh, Really, really, that was a really cool highlight of my life and my career so far is being able just to have a discussion with him. It was great.
2: That's awesome. And I love the book about his caddy, too, uh, Caddy for Life, Bruce Edwards. That's a great book. Uh, You mentioned Oakland Hills South. Uh, Do you think that's our best shot here in Michigan to maybe get some more eyes on us to get, like, a U.S. Open? Is it Oakland
1: Hills?
3: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think we Kyle and I went out for our MDG podcast, Oakland Hills, and a couple of months ago we mm-hmm. interviewed Steve Brady. He's their head pro there, a legendary, just great, great professional. Um, and and Steve, you know, while you'll never get them to admit it, that they're going to be getting the US Open. From all I've heard, that it, it's going to be happening. The year you wow. keep hearing is <laughs> two thousand twenty nine. Um, awesome. Oakland Hills South. They just redid the course. It's going to be an incredibly tough course. It's going to max out about seventy seven hundred yards. There's going to be a 275-yard par three. You know, it's just going to be unbelievable. So I think that, that, you know, it's not even that I think. I literally expect Oakland Hills
4: to get a U.S. Open um, before 2030. Sully, I was going to ask you something about social media. So you've been talking about it a little bit with the Facebook group and everything, how you guys have grown your new business. And obviously you know all about – how crazy! I mean, for lack of better term, how crazy social media is because of your previous job, your previous position at the radio station, and we're we're all Michigan football fans. Um, so you know all about that Michigan, Michigan State, and you know all of sports. How crazy fandom or how how crazy fans get on social media. So I just want to ask you, you know, you have a pretty good following yourself personally, and then now your your new business. You know, you're trying to build up a following there. How do you navigate? I guess just how do you navigate social media with trying to use it in the way that it's intended to reach people to, you know, get information out and all the positive Mm -hmm. stuff that social media can be versus, you know, all the crap that is also on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that.
5: You know, you want to use it
4: to grow your business, but it's also there's some bad stuff out there.
3: Oh, for sure, no, and, and that's really what what our, our marketing company Brand Twenty Five Media does is, is we help you know so many small businesses and, and even some larger businesses now with their social media presence. You know, I think that that the one thing with social media right now is that COVID has proven more than anything um, the importance of it, and I think that every company is realizing that they have to go online, they have to be digital, and and what you're talking about too with the, the toxicity of social media at times is. You know, that's, that that's, you see that much more in sports. You see that much more in sports reporting and, and certainly politics. Don't even have to go there. You see all the, the, the hate in politics, um, anything on, on social media. But as you just said, you do have to navigate it from a standpoint of of the positive versus the negative. And the positive is, yeah, it can be a great tool. It can be a great messaging tool. There's a lot of stuff that that can be done well. It can be a great revenue uh, source for, mm-hmm. for people. Um but the negative is, yeah, you're always going to get haters. You're always going to get bad comments. I think that early on in my career, you know, I really would, would take that a little more personal and sensitive um, when I when I saw a hate tweet or something like mm-hmm. that. And now I, re, I really just do not care um, if anything I feel bad for, for the person sending it. But I think that, that you're always going to get the idiots and the hatred in social media. Now, with Metro Detroit Golfers, that's been something that's been 99.9% positive. But mm-hmm. even in there, there's still idiots. There's still comments. There's still people you have to delete. It's a microcosm of life, right? Like social yeah. media is a microcosm of life where you're always going to get some idiots in there no matter what. Um, and I think that... That over my career as well, you know, one thing that I've really learned more than anything is that I think you see most of that toxic stuff on Twitter. I think you mm-hmm. see that more than any other platform. And I think that the main reason for that is because on Twitter, people can hide behind their avatar and their profile, right? Mm-hmm. On, on, on Twitter, you can be, um, you know, blue 69 And and just just run your mouth with with no name, right? So I think that you do see the the hatred and the toxic stuff more on Twitter than anything because it's a lot of faceless people with no accountability for their actions. Instagram, you do not see it anywhere near as much because that's a personal profile for everyone. Instagram is is usually pretty good with, in terms of compared to the other ones, Instagram's pretty good with uh, not having too much toxic stuff on it. And then with Facebook, you know, Facebook, you see it with politics. Facebook. The, the issues on Facebook arise from political posts and people arguing with each other, and, and and you know that's basically it. Because on Facebook, you do have to have a profile as well. So to answer your question, as much as I love Twitter, I do see Twitter as probably the biggest you know toxic toxic pool yeah. uh, out of all the social media, if I had to say.
2: Yeah. Well, I, yep. I agree with that. Uh, just a couple more questions, uh, Mike, before you let you go. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, so I'm I'm a big I'm the biggest golfer amongst the three of us. Uh, but I just graduated college. I don't have a lot of money to my name, outside of maybe like the Arcadia Bluffs, the quarry, the courses like that that are like three hundred dollars. Is there a course around like the hundred dollar price range that you mentioned earlier that I should one hundred percent play this summer in Michigan?
3: Are you talking Northern Michigan, Metro Detroit, or just anywhere in across
2: general? across the entire state, wherever? Yes.
3: Yeah, so I would I would highly recommend if you're looking around a hundred bucks. I mean, we already mentioned it, Black Lake, fantastic, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, but besides that I'll give you I'll give you two other ones um, Shepherd Hollow in Clarkston is just top-notch uh, okay. it's a public course I think that it's probably the most qualified course to host a PGA event now they never will because a PGA event there's so much more it's parking it's grandstand yeah. it's walkability there's so much more but from a pure course perspective I think Shepherd Hollow is just awesome and then besides that I would I would recommend actually either of these two either Eagle Crest and Ypsilani which is just an extremely picturesque on the water, yeah, it is. beautiful type course mm-hmm. that you that you'll get your money's worth at that price range. Or I would say Eagle Eye in Lansing. Um, and Eagle Eye, you know, they have an island hole. You know, Eagle Eye is is another one that's right around a hundred bucks. And and it's as you said, you, you're trying to keep it. You know, treat yourself to a nice course, but you're not going to play. Mm-hmm. You know, a two hundred, three hundred dollar course, which is not that there's that many in Michigan anyway. So public wise, yeah, I would I would definitely check out Talo. I would do Eagle Eye, Eagle Crest. And then, if I mean, if you want, I'll give you one more, which, which okay. is the Orchards, which is another just great public course up in Washington Township. Just a fantastic one. And, and Jeff Stelkup does a great job up there. Shout out to him, um, their GM. But – those are the ones I'd give you. I would say that if I had to even narrow it from there, keep it simple. Do one of the Eagles, you know, do the mm-hmm. Eagle Eye or Eagle Crest, and then I think that you'll really enjoy either of
2: them. Yeah, I played Hawk Hollow before, which I'm pretty sure is like the brother or sister course of Eagle Eye, yep. and then I have, a, I have a friend that's actually goes to school up in eastern Michigan, so I'm sure he'll be down to play there. Last question that's for, for sure. you before we wrap it up. You have moved on to MDG, MDG but is there any specific sporting event that you kind of wish you might have still been back at one to talk about with Mike and the guys?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I mean, certainly, I would I would have loved to have still been there just to talk about the Josh Allen stuff and how yeah. right I was about that. You know,
5: <laughs> and how he uh,
3: how he's killing it with the Bills. That mm-hmm. would have been fun. Besides that, I mean, it, it certainly would have been a heck of a year to talk about Michigan, Michigan State with, yeah. with Michigan losing to Michigan State again. That would have been fun. You know, I, I still, of course, keep in touch with all those guys and talk to them regularly. And, and you, you know, you miss certain things like that, but. You know, overall, just just super uh, pumped up and excited about this next chapter. And, you know, there there there's certain things you miss, but there's certain things you don't miss too. So Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, I I had such a great time there, and and there's certainly some moments, like I just mentioned, that maybe – you realize you would have had fun and, and missed, but, uh, you know, I still try to try to get people going on Twitter now and again, so I get my entertainment there.
1: Well, Sully, we really appreciate, appreciate the time. Uh, you know, it's so nice to talk golf when the weather is so cold <laughs> outside. So yes. we appreciate that. Again, before we let you go, uh, tell our listeners, best spot to uh, check out your stuff.
0: Yeah,
3: thank you so much. I would appreciate, guys, um, if you're if you're a local golfer, if you're a Michigan golfer, just simply go to metrodetroitgolfers.com, dot com, browse around, check it out. There's a ton of stuff on there, and then obviously, you know, our marketing company, Brand Twenty Five Media. You can go to the same thing, the website as well. That's Brand Twenty Five Media, B R A N D two five Media dot com. Um, you can see all that we're doing from a social media and, and digital marketing perspective. It's, it's some cool stuff to browse around on there. So. Um, those would be the two, com and then brand25media.com. And from there, again, you can find all of the, the social links and everything like that from the websites themselves.
1: All right, man. Well, we'll check back in with you in the springtime if you don't mind and uh, catch up on what's going on and what else is new, okay?
3: Anytime, boys. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Sheridan Auction Service auctions are not like the auctions on eBay. They're authentic auction experiences that often take place in real time as well as online. A wide variety of items in real estate are always on their docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and sign up for their free email notifications. A world-class company with many awards, including honors from the Michigan State Auctioneers Association and the National Auctioneers Association, just to name a couple. Looking out for you shared in auction service. Advanced Elevator Company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools Advanced Elevator success group mortgage and servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success the home financing team has over 25 years experience and origination of all types of loans led by Jim Woodworth success group mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch you're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega sized bank every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com.
4: For anyone out there on Locker Room, we are Three Point Podcast. It's myself, Jared, and Ted. You can see us up there. Uh, you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, just search Three Point Podcasts. And you can find us on all social media sites at 3 Point Pod, So head over there and and check out our stuff. And for anyone listening on the podcast, we're talking right now on Locker Room. So go ahead and download the Locker Room app. It's free. It's free to sign up. And we like to do stuff like this from time to time. So you can always join in and, and chat and, you know, have some fun. Give us your thoughts. So today we're talking about, as you can see up there in the headline, we're talking about it's official. Dan Campbell is the new, the next, the the most recent head coach for the Detroit Lions. And, you know, we knew that this was probably coming for a few days, but he was still coaching with the Saints. So they probably want – or well, they had to wait until the Saints were done in the mm-hmm. playoffs to make it official. Uh, he was a former player. He was on the 0-16 Lions. So, you know, I don't know how exciting that is, but at least he knows about the franchise. He knows the Fords. He knows about the fan base and stuff like that. So he knows Detroit – He's a former player. Uh, he has been an interim head coach. He was an interim head coach with the Dolphins. He was under 500 when he was there, but at least he does have a little bit of head coaching experience. He's been coaching under, you know, Sean Payton with the Saints. So, you know, that's a good thing. But I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. It To me, honestly, right now, at least, it's a little underwhelming. People are really fired up yeah. about the six-year thing. He signed a six-year deal, and people are fired up about that. Uh, I'll just real quick I don't understand why people are fired up about that because as we know these coaches rarely actually make it you know to that length of their contract so this, this could only be a two or three year thing but to me if he does actually make it six years that means it's probably going pretty well so the whole six year thing I don't really care about but yeah that's my initial thoughts what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, it's weird how people are always so obsessed with, like, if Jim Harbaugh gets a big, big contract extension or something like that, as if they're going to be the ones paying the money if it doesn't work out. Like, I could honestly care less about that, especially when it's a pro team. It's not like it's a college where it's coming out of, like, some kid's educational fund. It's a pro team. I have no problem with how much it costs to bring him in or a six-year deal. Uh, my initial thoughts on this guy, though, is just comparing him to Patricia, he doesn't look like a scrub. Or a schlub like Patricia looked like. He looks like he looks like he played football. He looks like he belongs in the NFL. He looks like he belongs as a head coach. I'm not a big fan of like the, the goatee, like facial hair that he's got going on, but I can look overlook that because it seems like all the coaches and players that he's worked with in the past. Drew Brees is the biggest name I saw, where basically said this guy 100% deserves to be a head coach. He knows how to work with the players. He's a player's coach. So for that reason, I like this guy because it seems like he's a big culture guy. And we talked about it on the pod before. That's what the Lions need. We don't, we don't need an X's and O's guru like a Matt Patricia or so what do you claim to be? We need somebody that's going to be able to to kind of do what they did with the Browns, which is come in and change everything that they stand for and turn the fran- turn the franchise into something that is like a seller dweller to a franchise that has some confidence and looks like they have like some fun playing football. And I think that's what he's going to bring.
1: Yeah, and my thought is the six-year contract, that's not an issue at all. Uh, you just throw that out the door. The thing I do like about Campbell, he might not have been my first choice. I think I was leaning to Salah more. But uh, Campbell played in the NFL for 11 seasons. Jared, you're right on. He looks like you know he keeps his act together physically, which is going to be important. He's young enough. I mean, he's only 44, so he should be able to relate to today's players. And uh, I think I think it's not a bad choice. I really think – Time will tell, obviously, but I'd be curious to see how he uh, he interfaces with the new general manager. I don't know what kind of relationship they have together, but you know that uh, the new GM had to have some input at the final, you know, final decision. So let's see how they get along, what they agree on as far as player personnel and the X's and O's. I think that'll come. Uh, I I liked his hire of his buddy there at New Orleans to as D, D.C., this is kind of exciting. It's a new era. Matt Patricia's gone. Donald Trump's gone. What else is oh new? God. Why did you, you have to throw that out there?
2: Huh? <laughs> uh, inauguration. Day. Well, it's
1: Inauguration Day. It's in the news <laughs> today.
4: That's all. Exactly. And, and this is the time that the Lions, That's this is when we shine, right? The offseason. You know, we make either a new head coach hire or we have an NFL draft and pick up a few guys maybe in free agency that we're excited about. So, yeah, this is our time to shine. And yeah, I do like Aaron Glenn, that who they're apparently going to hire as defensive coordinator. Like you said, Ted, all these guys are like on paper, you know, there is a lot of promise there. So it is something to be excited about. I guess to me, or why I said, you know, right now I'm a little underwhelmed is, and I'm sure you've seen me tweet it out. And I think I tweeted it out from the three point pod Twitter page, a quote from Dan Campbell. It was from, I think 2019, but he was talking about his coaching philosophy and he He said that he kind of like follows the Bill Parcells coaching philosophy, I guess, which obviously isn't a bad thing because Bill Parcells is one of the greatest coaches ever, but maybe a little old school because Campbell basically said, like I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that he's all about a strong defense, ball control, controlling the clock, strong run game. And I mean, he said you don't win or lose with your quarterback. And we just got done watching his Saints team basically lose that game because Drew Brees is clearly washed up. And if I'm Matt Stafford, I'm sitting here saying, "Listen, I, I'm in the apparently I, I'm in the prime of my career, and you know his contract is coming up. So you know he wants to prove himself so he can get one more good contract to finish out his career. And you've got a head coach coming in." who apparently has a philosophy that you don't win or lose with your quarterback. That's, that's my thing to me. Like if they're not gonna, you know, Philip Rivers announced that he's retiring. So people are starting to say the Colts could be a good spot for, uh, for Stafford to maybe go. But if the lions are going to roll with Stafford, I don't necessarily want a coach that thinks you don't win or lose with your quarterback. Am I wrong to think that?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, he is kind of right in a sense. A lot of the times that like the Seahawks and, rams like they succeeded when the quarterback was on like a short contract like a rookie contract here's the thing Matt stafford is not going to decide whether this team is good or not we've we've kind of learned that no matter who the head coach is it kind of depends on who the actual head coach is because stafford is not like aaron Rodgers or russell wilson where no matter who is there he's going to succeed he it seems like he kind of goes with the coaching So I'm a little worried about that. Dan Campbell, the one thing that I think he might be a little too much of, and this is what I'm going to be looking for when he does his introductory press conference, is this is the guy like too buddy-buddy. That's that's what you worry about with these player coaches is, is he too close to the situation? He's never had play-calling experience either way. We have a new GM who is a rookie pretty much in his own right. That worries me a little bit as well is these are two guys that have never done this before, and they're basically taking on the hardest – franchise in the league to try to like jumpstart something new with I don't know how with zero experience if that's a good thing or not
1: yeah and I'm Maybe not they're too
2: dumb to realize how hard this is and it's a good thing
1: I'm not too concerned with his philosophy that's that's a pretty good you know formula for winning football games the only thing I would have probably added to the end of that is and and what some coaches successful coaches success, unsuccessful coaches don't do you got to adjust your game plan to the talent you have I understand, you know, what he wants to do, but he's got to look at what he has and go to his strengths and adjust as it goes down the road.
4: Especially to your like what you're talking about Ted and you've talked about on the podcast the last couple of weeks or really since the last couple months how terrible, how porous the Lions defense is. Yeah, so yeah. if his if his philosophy is like defense, ball control, we're going to be the the strongest defense in the league, uh, they better spend all their draft picks on defensive players and all their, you know, salary cap space on defensive players because that defense is terrible. Horrible. So, you know, I don't know what he's doing there, but that, that's something to think about too.
2: Some A guy that I would trust more than just about anyone is Drew Brees. And here's the quote that he had about Dan Campbell. He said, uh, he's a tough physical guy. He just really cares about his players. You can see that in the way he talks to us, talk to his position group. He's just got a lot of great leadership qualities in that way, and I think he's just a good person. He's a person that you want to follow and a person you believe in, and you know he's going to be honest with you. So it sounds like we are going from what was the Patricia dictatorship, <laughs> which was you somehow spoke out against him, or if you said anything negative about him whatsoever, even if you were a really good player, like a uh, big play slay, he was going to ship you out. So what I'm most excited about for this hire is it seems like a guy that we can root for. Whereas Patricia, almost from Jump Street, as soon as he walked in, I was like, get this guy out. He needs to be fired immediately right after that Jets Monday Night Football game. So that's one good thing we got here. He's going to run it like a dictator or he's going to run it like a democracy and not a dictatorship.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part of it. I agree with you on that. Also, you know, we had people that were bunched up on the contract, and some people are bunched up a bit because he has never been a coordinator. But you got to kind of throw that out the door. I mean, he was assistant head coach for Sean Payton, and he did actually run a team like Matt set up at the beginning. The Dolphins, he was there for 12 games in an interim uh, and didn't do that bad. Yeah, he was 5-7. and seven, but at least he knows what it takes to stand on that sideline and make the decisions. That's a good thing.
4: No, definitely. And and like you said, Jared, bringing up Drew Brees, um, you know, basically backing him. Like what what you just said, uh, Dan Orlovsky has completely backed Dan Campbell, too, and said that he should be a head coach because Orlovsky was on that 0-16 team when Dan Campbell was there. So, you know, he saw him as a player and, you know, he's, he has said that he has kept in touch with them and they're still friends and all that kind of stuff. So he knows them too. So, right. You've got current players, uh former players, analysts, you know, stuff like that all saying that this guy deserves a head coaching chance that he, he, he can be a good head coach. My one thing with that, I love hearing that. I love hearing Bree say that. I love hearing Dan Orlovsky say that, you know, but how often, the one thing I do think about that sometimes, how often when a new head coach gets hired do you hear, like, players come out and say, no, oh, that terrible hire. No,
2: that, that, that's bad. I will say, well, the one you thing know? I'll say, when, when Patricia left, uh, it was right around the same time that the, Josh McDaniels was thinking about leaving the Patriots where Bill Belichick basically broke out everything he had to keep McDaniels there, and then when Patricia left, he didn't give two shits. It, it yeah. seems like the Saints are going to miss this guy. And the players are going to miss him. We didn't get that feeling with Patricia. Maybe that's not a good like comparison because Patricia might have been the worst head coach to ever set foot in the NFL. Uh, but that's what we have to go with. It, what is your guys's uh, one question that we got from uh, Josh Tell, ironically my brother, is basically what are you guys' expectations for this guy, or what would consistently, or what would be a successful season for you, or a successful career?
4: Well, that just real quick for me, like what he also added is about changing the culture, and he said five years ish. Like, yeah, that's part of the thing. Like, the Lions, we've talked about it 100 times on the podcast. The Lions need a huge culture shift and, you know, need to change everything within the culture. And, you know, yes, we have said, or at least I have said that in the NFL, you can change things pretty quick. I mean, look at the Browns, look at the Bills. But for the Lions, like, this isn't just like an overnight thing, like coming in and saying, hey, new head coach, complete different culture because it's still the Fords up there running things. It's still, you know, that same old Lions mindset. So, right, do you need to give them the six years? Do you need to give them four or five years? You know, I don't know. So, look, but, but to answer your question, Jared, I mean, successful is getting back at least, like, in the playoff hunt. Like, I know this year they were kind of acting like they were in the playoff hunt a little bit, but, you know, we, we knew they weren't really a playoff team. So I think that getting back – to the nine eight nine ten win mark and actually contending for the playoffs is is really what the lions should like be asking for i think
1: yeah i agree with that a hundred percent and i think uh the culture again th- that word culture will get used a lot That that's going to be the first test for him if he can make some sort of move to change that culture within the first year or so then i'm going to be on board with it you know the wins will come uh I think he has the capability of doing that. We will see. The one thing that concerns me a little bit on the culture is Wood kept his job. And he seems to me to be a yes man, uh, a a man who, you know, kisses the Ford's butt, Sheila's especially, how he kept his job. There's got to be some reason why, because it certainly can't be on performance of his involvement in the hires the last couple of times.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't understand. I mean, the biggest part, the thing he's got to do from day one is get good coordinators in there. And I look at Daryl Bevel, which apparently was like a huge he was almost like going to get the job. He was second uh, to Campbell, like in terms of like the hiring. I I need him out. I, I didn't see anything from any of these coordinators. If you remember when Patricia took over, he kept Jim Bob Cooter, who was a who thought we thought was a really good coordinator at the time. Uh, Maybe he still is. He just had Patricia put his hands all over the offense. But there's no one in, like, he needs to just get rid of everybody in the cupboard, whether it's Bevel, whether whoever the heck it is, get rid of everybody and just start from scratch. The culture never works when you keep, like, half the guys from the previous regime because they're always going to try to undermine you. Like, I almost feel like Bevel, at the first sign, he's going to backstab this guy
1: and try taking his job. Get him out. I don't want him. These these guys are part of a losing regime. Get them out. 100% agree, Jared. 100% on that. Got to get them all out, start over, build your own regime.
4: So going back to what you said, Ted, drain the swamp, right? Is that basically
1: (laughs) what you're alluding to? (laughs) I was going to let it go, but hell yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
4: So, I mean, to that point, you're talking about the coaching staff, but what about also like some former players? I mean, obviously there are some guys like Trey Flowers and some other signings that Patricia did that you're, you're almost kind of stuck with. But, I mean, like, like I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Matt Stafford as the quarterback. Like, uh, you guys know where I stand. I'm a huge Stafford slappy. I think there, he still has a lot left in the tank. I know some injuries are piling up. But I, I, I still think it, it would be tough for me to trade away a quarterback that good. But where do you guys stand? Like, you just laid it out, Jared. New coach, new regime, new new coordinators, everything like that. Do you also, are you looking to ship Stafford out of town, maybe to the Saints, maybe to the Colts, or are you wanting to hang on to him?
2: That's where the people in the locker room decide. I'm not sure how much of a leader Matthew Stafford actually is. It seems like he is kind of the face of the franchise as the quarterback and in the locker room. So I think because of that, you don't want to ship him out because you're just going to turn the entire locker room against you right away, which whether you're not, you're a good culture guy or not, I don't think that's a smart move. Maybe wait a year, maybe draft a quarterback to be his replacement and then do it kind of that way. Uh, I'm also worried is about this guy with uh, Kenny Galladay, whether or not he's going to send him or not. I think that's another big signee where he needs to bring him back because you don't know if he's a glue guy in the locker room. And that's another way that the entire team can just turn on you in the lick of a, in a split second if you decide to ship out one of their favorite guys. So I think they got to bring both those guys back. Even though I'm not the biggest Stafford fan, I think you got to bring him back.
4: Yeah, you, you have to wonder. I, sorry, I don't know if you were about to jump in, Ted, but like what what you're saying, Jared, you know, when Patricia traded away, like Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay, two guys that he was saying he moved because of the culture, because of the locker room stuff. But, like, as far as all the players said, players love Diggs and Slay. So, right. They, you know, that that is a good point, what you're talking about. You don't want to trade away, you know, players that the rest of the locker room likes.
1: Yeah, and this is no secret for anybody that listens to our podcast, maybe some new listeners here on the locker room. But I'm the old guy. You know, I've been around – I was born when the Lions won their last championship. I was one year old. But I got to tell you, Matt Stafford is the best quarterback we've ever had. I have not seen anything other than victories, which I think it's a little bit unfair to put on the quarterback alone. And he is the face of the franchise. That goes with the territory. I get it. But I don't think the fact that they haven't been successful and haven't won a playoff game, I don't think you put that on Matt Stafford. You put that, again, the big C, the big culture, the head coaches they've had, the cancer in that locker room, but not Matt Stafford. And if I had a vote, I've said it before, he's 32 years old. Yeah, he might be going on 33, but he still has the talent. You build enough talent around you, and their offense right now is right there. They don't need much help on the offensive side of the ball. Matt Stafford can win a Super Bowl with the right talent around him, but you better do something on the other side of the ball. That's the end of the story. Do you guys yep. question a little bit the search?
2: Uh, apparently, Campbell has only interviewed twice. Never did an in person interview. Only and basically the second interview, he was hired right after the interview. I don't. Do you really think that for an NFL coach, you get everything you need from just a couple of like Zoom calls? I, I don't know if that was the best way to do it. They felt the need to bring a general general manager in person to interview, but they didn't do that for the head coach position. Which it almost seems backwards. Seems like the GM could just do his job from a computer. And watching the NFL draft, whereas the coach has to be more hands-on, maybe see how he interacts with the players.
4: I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I know we're having some new hires come in, but it's the Lions, so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they botched the whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I that is that is sad to say, you know, and again, we keep we keep thinking about being longtime Lions fans and what we had to put up with. But my only question or comment on that uh is first impressions you know i've been around again like i said a long time first impressions of people you can you can come up with a pretty good feeling of what they're all about so i'm not too concerned about the inter- interview process at all yeah and then i just a few and then there's a reason that it seems like everybody's interviewing
2: eric enemy but from what i've heard is that he's just a, he's not a very good interviewer like you said initial reaction and so i'm thinking that that's why they decided to stay away from him from what i heard they reached out to iowa state's uh matt campbell but he did not even want to get interviewed by this franchise so that's kind of hilarious <laughs> that he would rather stay in iowa than come and coach an nfl team so that's a little bit of a slap in the face
4: that's what i i do wonder sometimes like people are it, it looks like the enemy might go another offseason and not get a head coach job and you know people are starting to wonder what's going on there but sometimes it, maybe it's at least kind of like what i said like Cause a like lifelong lions fan. I do wonder like, in like what you just said, Jared about Matt Campbell, if some of these guys really want to go to Detroit, like, yeah, they might accept the, the interview and, you know, go through the process and stuff like that. But sometimes I wonder, do they like go into the interview, not as fired up as they would, if they were interviewing for like the Steelers head coaching job or something like that. I, I do wonder if that comes into play sometimes.
1: Yeah. you know, another thing too, with Campbell, he's, he's a pretty young guy still. and, You know, not every college coach is out to be a pro coach. I mean, he may make a step down the road, but it just might stay in college. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. One uh, thing
2: that I feel like we got to throw out, maybe we don't, but I'm just going to throw it out anyway, is uh, it's the first thing you see when you search this guy's name on any sort of website or anything is apparently when he was in college at Texas A&M he threw out like a homophobic slur at a pep rally. Uh, He basically said something along the lines of Texas has – you know, blanks at their school, and I'm glad we don't hear. Is that something at all that bothers you? It doesn't seem like a big story, but it's kind of crazy that, if you remember, right when we hired Matt Patricia, a big story broke that basically he might have sexually assaulted somebody at spring break. I don't know if this is just how the Lions like to do business, but it's just kind of a little eye-opening that the last two coaches we've hired have had kind of a checkered past. Yeah,
4: I mean, as far as it bothering me, I mean, hopefully as long as he doesn't still – you know, act and feel the same way, then it doesn't necessarily bother me. People make mistakes. Hopefully, you know, he's moved on, he's learned or whatever he's evolved from that, but it's just kind of the, I mean, we all know that it's the world we live in. Now you do things on social media or you say things like that and people are going to dig it up. People are going to find everything you said and everything you did 10, 15 years ago or whatever. So it's a shame that they dug it up before he even was announced, you know, as, as the head coach, but hopefully as long as he's changed as long as he's not still acting like that it doesn't bother me to answer your
1: question yeah but you know you know he's gonna get hit with it at the at the opening press yeah. conference too oh, yeah. right that's the discour- discour- discouraging part
2: yeah <laughs> yeah he will i' I'm, I, don't, I don't really worry too much about it like you said basically master it perfectly if he's not that guy anymore I, I don't have any problems with it. it seems like he's put it behind him and he's not that guy anymore. Uh, just my kind of closing thoughts on this guy is it seems like he can aspire this locker room seems like he can manage the locker room uh, from what I've heard he's really good with even kids that are just coming in the league you know 20 22 23 year olds so I'm looking forward to that uh, I think he's got to do a lot of big things like bring Galladay back and kind of mesh with Stafford and have Stafford kind of support this guy 100 percent from the start and then Number one thing is his staff. Who's he going to bring in? I don't want any of the old guys. I need all new blood in this locker room if they're going to really change the culture and turn this franchise from what is the worst in the league to at least something that
1: players will have fun playing football and we have fun watching. So that's yep, what I'm yep. looking for. My my final thought, I agree with Jared, and I'll just leave it with hashtag since 57. <laughs> hopefully
4: the hashtag changes soon. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can change up your hashtag. But, yep, I'm with you. You know, we'll we'll see how things go. I'm excited to see who they draft, and and yeah, we'll see who he who he hires for the rest of his staff. But but yeah, uh, for anyone out there on Locker Room, again, we're Three Point Podcast. Search Three Point Podcast on all your podcast sites to listen. Uh, this will be on our next podcast, so you can check that out. Uh, find us on all social media sites at Three Point Pod. And for anyone on the podcast listening, like again, we're recording this on Locker Room app. You can download it for free, sign up for free, and. We do this stuff often, so yeah, you can always join in, chime in, and tell us what you think about our opinions. So, so yeah, Dan Campbell to the Lions. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Right,
1: Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs and their huge 120-inch projection screen. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, and pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Paso at 116 West Exchange Street. Give them a follow on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at nelson-house.com. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Well, next up on the podcast, uh, you know, all three of us went to Corona High School. Jared actually played basketball for this guy. We're going to be talking with Rocky Buscemi, Buscemi, the head coach of the Cavaliers, going to be starting his fifth season, if it ever starts, Coach.
5: Yeah, we're hoping it does, that's for sure.
1: It's been a strange year, hasn't it?
5: It has. You know, it's definitely been... A year that no one will forget—that's for sure.
1: Well, I want to just start this off. We'll talk about the Cavaliers and high school basketball in general, but I know you've had some family—a uh, family, family situation—with your daughter Charlie. Uh, could you give her—give us an update on how she's doing? Other
5: than having a matching haircut to mine, you—you <laughs> you wouldn't know anything was wrong with her. Uh, back in in the early fall, like early September, very coincidentally, we found out that she had, I mean, long story short, obviously, this story, we could use four podcasts for this <laughs> one, but we found out she had cancer. We um, It was kind of crazy. We just, nothing was wrong with her. We took her in. She was snoring a little bit in her sleep. We had a checkup appointment for her ear tube she got like a year prior, and the doc said, you know, we could take her tonsils out there a little you know, large, but nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. It's like, we could wait, we can take them out. And Like, well, she's going to get them out at some point, may as well do it. So we got our consoles out and everything was healing up fine. And
0: mm-hmm.
5: then out of nowhere, you know, a week or two after they came out, we got a call that they found what they think or what they thought was Some form of pediatric lymphoma cancer in her left tonsil. And we were just completely off guard. Like I said, nothing, you know, nothing had been wrong with her. So that kind of triggered. The next day we were admitted and had bone marrow biopsies and PET scans and tests and. Long story short, through all the all of it, we ended up finding out it was cancer in the tonsil, but they couldn't find it anywhere else. But due to the type, it was the protocol for it is uh, it was you know two rounds of chemo. So it was certainly the most challenging, heart wrenching, uh, you know, three months or so that you know we ever could have you've ever experienced
1: well i know many many people many people in our area you know the prayers were there and i can tell you rocky that you know we had a member of our family one of my nephews at uh one month old was diagnosed with cancer and it was uh, just a family shocker as you went through but they've come so far nowadays and he's pulled pulled through he's 20 i don't know 23 years old right now totally healthy so i'm, I'm sure that's going to be the prognosis right? Absolutely. Yeah.
5: Yeah, he's uh, he's coaching seventh grade for us this year if their season ever gets going. Oh,
1: Lord, help us.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Chemo got done, did tests after, and she's cancer-free, but now it's, you know, the monthly scans and Mm -hmm. make sure it stays gone. COVID definitely throws a little curveball into the mix because the one thing that we got to be careful of now is her... Her what count, you know, her, mm-hmm. her immune system still compromised from recovering from the chemo, so I just, you know, we just don't want to bring anything home, so.
1: Absolutely not. Well, I'll tell you what, it definitely puts things in perspective, and I know you are I guess the term would be very fitting, a basketball junkie, if you will. Uh, I know you had a long career at Detroit Loyola, put up some big numbers, 176 and 74, made your way to Corona, really, ironically, we're talking family, and it was a family decision, right? You wanted to come to a a smaller town atmosphere and and get in the school system and settle down some roots, and uh, now, like I mentioned, you're getting ready to head into your fifth season, and uh, how are things going?
5: You know, we, uh, God definitely uh, had something in mind, and, you know, back four years ago when, when this all happened, we had just went to the Breslin Center and lost a heartbreaker to Beecher and had really no, nothing and really on, you know, no thoughts to leave, and it's just a series of things, and my wife's from mid-Michigan, so... You know, the idea of getting her closer to home was a big one, and small-town atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, had Sam, you know, we we knew we had another one on the way, and our little guy, so, you know, we wanted to be somewhere. And I always wanted to be able to coach somewhere where my kids were going to go to school. And, I mean, Loyola being an all-boys school in the city uh, kind of canceled Charlie out of ever <laughs> uh, <laughs> going yeah. there, so... So yeah, it, it all worked out, and uh, couldn't be happier. And I mean, the exclamation marks really been through our challenges. I mean, we've the community and everyone's been so supportive of Charlie and of you know me needing to obviously take some time off work to be with family. Um, we couldn't ask to be surrounded by better people. So it's it's incredible. In the basketball end of things is. You know we're we're moving in the direction we want to be moving. There's more interest around basketball now in the community than we got there. I'm pretty excited. I've got a kid who played for me who's going to be coaching our freshman team now. Our whole staff from seventh grade through varsity is all made up of Corona alums. So uh, I'm I'm really excited at the direction the program's going.
2: So this year is. Uh... Obviously, been really different for you in terms of practice plans and stuff like that. What have the first two practices looked like this year uh, without, you know, with all the COVID restrictions?
5: Well, so it's it's really different. To my guy's credit, one thing we said the new year and, you know, and just hoping we had a season was, you know, we want to be ready. We don't want to have to get ready. So mm-hmm. that first day we were back from Christmas break, we were doing you know, Zooms and virtual workouts and things of that nature. Guys were getting together and, you know, finding ways to work on their conditioning. And we've, you know, kind of been at it Mm -hmm. since then. so, I mean, basketball shape is something that takes time. But I felt like going in, we wanted to be able to, I mean, we just weren't going to have as much time as you're able to usually have to get in shape. So, Our first two practices have been really more of literally installing everything. So I'm kind of taking an approach this year of first couple. It's almost like teaching to the test. You know, in school sometimes you give the test first and then you build your way up to it, and that's what we're doing. We gave them, threw a bunch at them, and now we're kind of into our routine of, you know, regular practices and, and building up to it, but just wanted to expose them to everything. And having all three teams together and a new coach on staff, it was helpful, too, just for him to get an idea of what we're running and mm-hmm. how we're running it and how we want to teach it. So, yeah, it wasn't your typical, like, okay, we'll touch the balls later. We need to get in shape. It was actually more of a uh, – more of a learning and installing uh, Mm -hmm. approach. And now today will kind of be the first practice where we're getting into, you know, the breakdown drills that lead and build up to kind of what the guys learned the first few days.
1: Well, Rocky, uh, we have a lot of people from Corona and the surrounding area listen. Of course, we're all three Corona grads. Give us a little breakdown on some of the players, what we can expect from this year's edition of Corona Cavalier. COVID edition basketball?
5: (laughs) Well, we hope to be, you know, the best version of ourselves and be who we've kind of developed into as a program. We like to play kind of a pressure defense and impose our will on, you know, make it hard for other teams to do what they're used to doing. We always like to think that whatever you run, that's great. You're not going to run it against us because, we're going to trap, and we're going to throw some different looks in there. And despite the shortened season and time to condition, because you got to be in a certain certain type of shape to be able to play the way we want to play. But like I say the guy's credit, I actually think we're coming into the season as conditioned as we've ever come into a season. Still a long way to go, but uh, we're going to be who we are we've got 20 games scheduled despite uh, the squeeze. And we've got eight, eight players returning. So kind of the, the thought there is we're going to get experience by doing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like almost like a summer league approach in the sense of we're going to play a lot of games and we're going to get some game experience and a lot of guys are going to play. We're really not going to focus on, you know, wins and losses almost more like a Michigan State approach where you might see them take some lumps early and usually come March they're ready to go and inevitably there are guys that end up stepping up that probably don't step up if they don't get those minutes earlier in the season and the chance to you know, make some mistakes early on.
1: Well, you ha- you handled that question perfectly as a coach, Rocky, but I got another question for you. Uh, you know, refresh our listeners, you know, some of the key players, some of the guys you're really counting on this year to to help the Cavaliers get success.
5: Well, for, I mean, we on varsity we've got four returning starters. we got Cole Miske, who's a four-year varsity player, uh, three-year starting point guard. It's certainly nice to have point guard back let alone one who's got as much experience under his belt as he does
1: yeah he's a keeper
5: and uh Carson Sosha, another returning starter Caleb Stair, another returning starter Porter Zeman you know another guy who started a majority of our games so you know those guys will will certainly look to to pick up where you know where they left off and uh We've got four guys who played as freshmen. Some, you know, got a little more experience than others coming off the bench. But like I say, everyone's going to have to play, so uh, so their their minutes are definitely going to increase. So, you know, we're definitely looking for for more out of them. I mean, one of them is going to have. We don't know which one yet, but one of them's going to have to step in and assume a starting role. Mm-hmm. A couple of them, at least, are going to have to probably play starter minutes. The way we play, I always tell the guys, I mean, how we play, we'd rather play 10 than 8. You know, we'd mm. rather play 11 than 10. We we want to be able to play as many guys as we can. So it's up to them to, you know, if you, certain guys, don't turn it over and bust your tail on D. You know, <laughs> you do that, you're going to get minutes. And obviously other guys, like the first four I mentioned, Their roles a little more expanded. They're returning starters, and you know they're guys we look forward to to put points on the board. Because at the end of the day, you still got to put the ball through the hoop. But last year, number of games we lost. I mean, our record wasn't where we would have wanted it to be. Yet, I felt like we had as good a chance as anyone in our district to win it. And we showed the type of team we were by taking Ovid Elsie, a really good team, all the way down, you know, pretty much to the buzzer and, you know, lost, lost a close one to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, I look back and kind of reflect on the losses, and it was really just didn't score enough. We lost, you know, a game in the 40s to Goodrich, who was number two, finished number two in Class B. So we got guys that know how to play, that believe in what we're doing, that never quit playing. And hopefully we can just put the ball in the basket a few more times this year than we did last year. I think we'll be in really good shape, Coach. I wanted to ask you. We've had on a few business owners and a
4: few other guests throughout the whole pandemic, throughout the whole 2020 year, and uh, I, I asked them or we ask them similar questions. If you know, obviously everything hasn't been ideal, but have you learned anything, or have you figured? You and your coaching staff have you guys figured out some things? through all of this stuff, you know, maybe the remote learning or, you know, some other things that you might actually carry over going forward?
5: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, there will definitely be some things carried over. I think there certainly was a value, like back in June, May and June, we did, and, you know, couldn't work out, couldn't get together physically. So we did a lot. We focused a lot on leadership, and we got every guy in the program a different sports-related, you know, leadership-type book, and let them choose from above the line, like, you know, uh Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's yep. book, uh, What Drives Winning, and everything in between, some Wooden, some Pat Riley, you name it. And everyone kind of took a different book, and we'd read a chapter a week, and guys would kind of report out on it on the Zoom, and I thought we had a lot of good leadership lessons through doing that, and that's something that... I think we could carry on and we could do and it's a lot easier to pop on to a Zoom for 30 minutes an hour in the summer, you know, and find a time everyone can do that sometimes Mm than finding a time everyone can get in the gym. So I think that's one thing we'll carry over. Back in in April and May, I mean, when this stuff, when we kind of realized it was going to be a little while, our whole thing was – regardless you know we want to be better when we want when we come out of this than we were going in like we're not going to make excuses and we're still still going to grow as you know not just players but people we did you know a lot of zooms just looking at the playbook mm-hmm. you know watch some film we stayed active and we got better and some of those things like i say i think i can carry over and then as a coach I mean, it really allowed me to grow as a coach. I can't tell you, you know, if I got a uh, sketchies or continued ed credits for coaching Zooms, I wouldn't have, you know, and could put it into my teaching. I'd never have to get another one for my certificate in my next 20 years of teaching because mm-hmm. I just spent so much time getting on there and from, you know, getting on with college programs and coaches and, you know, offense, like I say, was kind of something I thought we could do better. So my whole offseason was committed to finding some different things. Like, we're not changing our offense as a whole, but mm-hmm. there are some things, quick hitters, ways to get into our offense, baseline out-of-bounds plays, different ideas that through doing all that stuff, you know, we kind of grabbed onto and took, like anything, like – any PD, you take what you can use, and, you know, the rest <laughs> is just information that, you know, you you kind of put in your back pocket. But there's four or five different things we're going to use this year, even though it's a shortened year, that I wouldn't have gotten had I not had the extra time to to do, you know. Despite, despite all of it, I feel like we all, you know, players and coaches, really – really used the time the best we could Mm -hmm. and found ways to grow and get better. So I feel good about that.
2: Yeah, you guys did. One thing that I noticed in particular that you did a lot of, Coach, was was the virtual workouts where you'd have guys like Steve Kramer or maybe uh, Tim McCormick come in and talk to to the guys over Zoom. Can you kind of explain what what those were and what you guys did during that time?
5: Well, for some, you know, guys like we had Trey Robinson, Mm -hmm. former Michigan player, you know, on who's in the NBA now, Tim McCormick, uh, guy Eli Holman, who was, uh, who was a really good player at UD Mercy and now who's kind of like the Shaquille O'Neal of China. He's <laughs> had about a 10 year career over there. And it's funny, like, he could, he's had NBA workouts, could make the team, but it, you know, the guys kind of even asked him on the Zoom. Like, it just gives you. An understanding, like how globalized this game is. It was like, you know, I can come over, I can play in the NBA and be, you know, a third string center, second string center, or I can be Shaq over here.
2: (laughs) I would, I would probably go to China too.
5: So, uh, so yeah, some of those guys are just more talking about things like work ethic and Mm -hmm. leadership and determination, kind of sharing their you know, experience, strength, and hope, and then guys like Steve Kramer, Steve actually came on and he he worked us out these last two weeks leading up to the season with virtual workouts, and he was absolutely phenomenal. As much as I like to think I can still play a little bit, it's great to get a guy like him on that can do a ball handling drill and look like Steph Curry doing it, you know, and model it. I mean, he did every workout with the guys. He made it very competitive. I mean, at the end of the day, like, he's a pro in that. So Mm -hmm. I've just always – one thing I've learned through coach, like as a young coach, I always wanted to be the guy to do everything. And now it's more about, like, finding different voices for my guys to hear. And if there's someone – who can do what I want to do better than what I could do it, shoot, I'm going to do everything I can to bring him in. And that was Steve with the virtual workouts. I mean, he lives in Myrtle Beach now. He travels the country and runs camps. He trains, you know, everything from D-league guys down to, you know, high school kids. So he certainly has an expertise. And it was definitely evident these last two weeks because the kids were – incredibly engaged
1: well i'll tell you what it's uh this covid thing really had to make you do some different things and it sounds like you uh you made the right moves we can certainly tell you're passionate about the game of basketball uh looks like the cavaliers could have an interesting season this year and uh, i know you got to get to practice tonight so we really appreciate you taking the time joining us here rocky and again uh, we want to send all our best to you and the family and especially charlie you know Get well soon, that's all I can tell you. But uh, appreciate the time, Rocky, and uh, we'll be talking to you in the gyms, okay?
5: All right, thanks so much. It was great being on, and, and you guys take care, too.
1: Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with World Headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. The hankered sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value the area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers they do it by providing a hundred percent guarantee to satisfy your expectations hankered sportswear always have owasso corona and st paul school spirit items in stock also special items for family sporting business and charity events Call them at 989-725-2979. Stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso and follow them on Facebook at hanker.sportswear. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. Big thanks again to Mike Sullivan and Rocky Buscemi for joining us on this podcast. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel thanking you again for supporting Three Point Podcast and our partners.